Two of the two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at the female fight world. My name is Felipe Leon, and with me, like always, is my co-host, Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing today? Very good, Felipe. How are you? Good, good. Well, we it's been about three weeks since we had our last show. The fact being is that last Thursday, when we were scheduled to have it, Mr. Avila actually went and covered some fights at the Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California. But we are back here uh, the two minute round blogtalkradio.com uh, forward slash two minute round where we give you all your hooks and jabs look at the female fight world you want to call in and speak to us live you can do so at 323-580-5735 323-580-5735 and we're going to be giving you all the news regarding female boxing in the last couple weeks or actually the last three weeks and then whatever is coming up in the next two weeks in the fight schedule. Um, And also, in about 15 minutes, we're going to have Raquel Miller from the Bay Area. She's going to be joining us for the second time on our show. I I, I don't know if she's actually... I know that we did uh, an interview with her, kind of like a face-to-face, and I think we posted it on here, but I don't know if she's actually been on the show with us. Has she, David? No, she hasn't. Yeah, so it's actually her debut here on the Two Minute Round, but she has been on the network where we uh, added a uh, a uh, face-to-face interview with her, and she's going to be talking to us in about 15 minutes about signing with Debella Entertainment and what is coming up for her in the year 2018. She's in a she fluctuates between 154 and 160 pounds, so you know there's a lot of fighters there. You we might see. Clarissa Shields, who she has some history with in the amateurs. We might see her with uh, some of the fighters that are going to be fighting this upcoming weekend, especially this Saturday. There's going to be a 150. I know, actually, I'm, I'm sorry. That's wrong. Um, at least Napoleon is fighting at 168 pounds. But 168? Well, we'll see. And then, uh, okay, so let's go to the fight results. Let's go back a little bit in time and go back to the fight results of what has happened in the last couple of weeks before Ms. Raquel Miller gives us a call and joins us here on the two-minute round. Again, if you want to call in, 323-580-5735, 323-580-5735. Starting on Thursday, February the 8th, from the Civic Center in Pensacola, Florida, this fight, actually this fight card, turned out to be the last fight for the late, great uh, Roy Jones Jr., who, you know, threatened to uh, retire, and he, he fought on the main event. But on the undercard, we had Ikram Kerwat, who at one point was trained by Roy Jones Jr., or I don't know if she's still trained by Roy Jones Jr., but she scored a unanimous ger- uh, decision over veteran Angel Gladney in 135 pounds. The scores there were 80 to 71 three times. And then that following Saturday, on February 10th from Ciudad Juarez, Mexico. This was televised live in Mexico by the network Televisa. Diana Labonita Fernandez scored an eighth-round TKO over 
St. Petersburg's Florida's Noemi Bosques in a 10-rounder for the vacant international WBC title. Bosques was down in the second round, and the official time of the stoppage was 1.57. David, did you get a chance to see this fight? Because I did, and I have some thoughts regarding it. No, I didn't get a chance, so what did you see? Well, um, I think that Noemi Bosquez, I mean, she's a she's a good fighter. She has some skills. She probably started boxing. She did actually start boxing later in in life. She's about 35, 36 years old. But I think it's high time she uh, she calls it quits. I mean, I, I, I'm nobody to say when somebody should retire, but what I saw, I've seen her fight numerous times. She's fought good fighters. She's fought Mariana Juarez. Uh, she's fought other world champions out there, but honestly, her 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 speed, which was which was her biggest asset, because she doesn't really have a lot of punch, but her speed was her biggest asset. It's completely gone. She's slow. Her reflexes are not there anymore. And Diana Fernandez, who only before this fight only had about two knockouts, was able to score hard punches again against her and hurt her multiple times during the eight rounds. And then the last uh, punch that actually didn't stop her because it did drop her. It was pretty brutal, pretty brutal knockdown, but she was able to get up and then uh, she beat the count. She was hurt. And then Diana Fernandez, it only took a couple more punches to stop her. But I think Noemi, who has expressed in, 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 in interviews that, She's basically just fighting for the money and to be able to travel and see the world. She's fought in China. She's fought in New Zealand. She's fought in Mexico three or four times. She's fought all over the United States. Um, I think it's kind of time for her to really think about what she's doing because we would hate to see her hurt uh, inside a boxing ring. So let's see what she decides to do from here. And she was fighting at somewhat of her natural weight class at 112, 115 pounds. I mean, we've seen her go up as high as 126 when she faced Heather Hardy a couple times. And Heather Hardy, who is not known as a puncher, but she was a lot heavier than her, wasn't able to knock her down or knock her out. And Diana Fernandez, who was fighting at a weight lower, way lower uh, weight division, was able to hurt her. That doesn't really bode well for, for Noemi. Now, the same night on February 10th, Saturday, from the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, Alicia Baumgartner, uh, only 5-0 and scored a unanimous decision against veteran Nidia Feliciano in a 130-pound eight-rounder. Last time we had seen Nidia Feliciano, it was back in September when she gave everything she had and then some to Michaela Mayer. But here she was um, pretty much dominated with scores of 80-72 and 79-73 two times. I saw the fight on, it, uh, on YouTube, David. And Alicia, I mean, she's still a little raw. She's a little bit green. But she has some good fundamentals. I mean, she knows how to box. She knew how to stay, keep her distance from the hard-charging Feliciano, who was always pressuring her throughout the eight rounds. And even though she only has five professional fights, she looked pretty composed in there for the for the eight rounds. It, she never panicked. Uh, it looked like she was in control. She doesn't. She wasn't really throwing her punches with a lot of conviction. And I think that has something to do with her amateur career. You know, being that an amateur, you're basically there to score uh, points, whereas points. as a professional, you're here to punish. Um, so I think yeah. that that's something that she could work on. But, uh, I mean, Nida Feliciano is no uh, – no, uh, she's no jokes. I mean, she comes to she, she comes to fight, she comes to win, and she gave Michaela Mayer a good fight. But here she was, she was pretty much dominated. 
Yeah, well, I mean, if you try to knock her out, she'll give you a better fight because she she has a good chin. But if you just slap and run, well, yeah, you can dominate her. Exactly. Now, on Thursday, February 15th, from the Montreal Casino in Montreal, Canada, Mary Eve DiCari was the main event with the majority decision win over Marisa Gabriela Nunez for the vacant NABF 154-pound title, and that was in a 10-rounder, and that's right in the wheelbarrow or the wheelhouse for our, for our guests who should be calling in in about 10 minutes, Ms. Raquel Miller. And the scores for DiCari's win over Maricela, Marisa, I'm sorry, Gabriela Nunez were 96-94 two times and an even 95-95, which was a pretty close fight. On Saturday, February 17th, in Argentina, Deborah Anaí Dionisius scored a unanimous decision over the Japanese Terumi Nuki to defend her uh, IBF 150-pound title. Scores there were 99-91 two times and 98-92. But the fight of the weekend perhaps was uh, the WBC Bantamweight title tilt between the world champ Mariana Labarri Juarez scoring a unanimous decision over Gabriela Bouvier in a 10-rounder. David, um, I saw that it was a typical Juarez performance. You know, she dominated the fight. The only thing that I was surprised is that Bouvier actually went the 10 rounds. Mariana had knocked her out um, at lower weight classes uh, in two previous fights, but this time Bouvier was able to go the distance. Yeah, she was a lot of... She, she seemed to uh, up her skills, uh, Bouvier. And uh, she was able to last mm-hmm. because she fought a smarter fight. She's a smarter fighter now. And she had said before the fight that she had improved and that she was promising uh, Wattis that she was going to be, you know, a test. And she was. She was a test. Uh, she's, she's a lot better fighter than she was the last time they fought, which was, what, about two, three years ago? Yeah, yeah, it was some years ago, and I do agree with you. Yeah, she did look better, and she was uh, a little bit of a test. She she was a better boxer, and she was a little bit more aggressive than we had seen her before against Juarez. And I think Juarez was somewhat not, I I wouldn't say surprised, um, but you know I don't th- I think she was expecting an easier fight. Now on the same night, but on the competing Azteca channel, Areli Muncino, um she 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 made history by capturing the WBO flyweight title over former champion Montserrat La Raya Alarcón in the main event in Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, Muncino in her career has at different times captured the WBC, the WBA, and the IBF flyweight titles. So she only needed the WBO title to be to have to be able to say that she has captured all four major world titles in her career and she was able to do it somewhat controversial decision a lot of people thought that Alarcón won the fight the defending champion the scores were a little little wide 99-91 98-92 for Monsigno and an even 95-95 which made the decision a a majority decision i actually watched the fight today and scored it and I had it for Muncino. She uh I but I had a little bit closer. I had it ninety six ninety four. I think she started the fight uh fairly well and then uh Alarcón was able to kinda uh close the gap a little bit in the second half of the fight. But I did see Muncino win uh 
a clear decision. Now, one thing that helped her was that she was so much bigger than Alarcón. I mean, Alarcón is a natural 105 pounder, and she moved up to 112 pounds to challenge for this title last year and win it in Japan. Um, so the 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 size, the difference in size was pretty evident, and that helped Monsigno because she was able to land some good punches and she was able to use her reach and especially her jab to control some of the distance. Did you get a chance to to watch the fight, David? No, I haven't seen that uh, that fight at yeah, all. Um, what, it's a pretty good fight. What do you fight. think is what do you think is the main uh, asset in that fight? Well, I think her main asset was the her. She used her jab pretty well. She used her jab to control the distance, and she was catching um, Alarcón as she was coming in. And then she, I was kind of surprised in the second half with Musinho's defense. Uh, she was able to slip quite a number of punches. And even though Alarcón kind of um, tying up the gap in the second half, she still made her miss quite a lot in the second half of the fight, and especially in the rounds that she won. I thought that when I was scoring the fights, it was pretty pretty easy to see who had, who won the fight. Maybe one out of the ten rounds, I kind of saw it a little bit, a little bit tight, a little bit hard round to to judge, and I even gave that round to Alarcón. Um, but I think the rest of the rounds, they were pretty easy to score one way or the other. On the same fight card... On the same fight card, Yareli La Chololita Larios, the daughter of former world champion Oscar uh, Larios, who we had last seen her fight, actually take a very step, a very big step up and challenge Jasmine Rivas at Bantamweight, and she ended up losing that fight, and it, it became her, her first defeat as a professional. She made a quick comeback and scored her first-round TKO over Jessica Barcenas in a scheduled eight-rounder at 126 pounds, 126 pounds. I think the fight against Rivas was at 122, and the official time was 150. Now, the same night on Saturday, Saturday February 17th, um, there was a lot of hoopla. If you, if you follow female boxing on social media, because it was announced about a month and a half ago, or maybe even two months, that it, that on February 17th on the undercard of what was the what was the main event of that fight uh, on February 17th where Ava Knight was gonna make her comeback oh, was Brandon that the uh, Brandon, Brandon yeah Daniel Danny Garcia's knockout of Brandon Rios Ava Knight it was announced that Ava Knight was gonna make her uh, boxing comeback after a couple years out of the boxing ring but. No, no opponent was found. No opponent was found. I think they tried up to the last minute or the last week, and she finally announced that there was no opponent and that they're still looking for an opponent for her to make her return. So that Ava Knight fight was uh, ultimately canceled. And and the same night, but from the Don Haskins Convention Center in El Paso, Texas, Jennifer Hahn quite, quite quietly had just been chugging along and defending her 126-pound IBF title and scored a unanimous decision over um, Lisbeth Crespo of Argentina. Scores there were 98-92 and 96-94 two times. And there's a couple more fights, and one that we're going to speak about in a little bit more detail when we come back from our interview, because on the line with us 
um, from the Bay Area, I'm pretty sure it is, Miss Pretty Beast, Miss Raquel Miller. Let me bring her on the line. Raquel, is that you? Yes, it's me. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Hello, Raquel. Let me give you your former uh, uh, introduction here to the two-minute round. We have Raquel Miller uh, from the Bay Area, from San Francisco, California, and also does some training out here in San Diego, uh, California. She's uh, you're five and zero, right? Yes, I'm five and zero with three knockouts. Five and zero with three knockouts, and she just signed to Debella Entertainment. That's the big news for her this week. And now I'm gonna pass the baton to my partner, David Avila. David, go right ahead. Hi, Raquel. How are you? Hi, how are you? Very good, very good. I'm blue. So, so I can't Raquel, complain. I'm, I'm excited. So so how did, um, how long were you in negotiations with uh, Lou DiBella regarding your promotion contract? Um, I've been in negotiations with DiBella for a couple of months now. Um, we've been talking about it and kind of just discussing it and kind of figuring out what was the best situation for us, but for a couple of months, and I had another offer, but I just thought that the Bella offer was better fit for myself and the things that I want to do with my career. Why do you feel it's a better fit? Um, I feel like Luke Bella has always been supportive of women in Boston. Um, I think that his knowledge of um, and his creation of the Showtime After Dark and just all of the different things that he's done in Boston and how He's been really, you know, a game changer for the sport of boxing, especially for women. I thought that it was a good situation for me and a good fit. And when it, when it was finally announced that you had signed, what was that feeling like? I'm really, really just excited. Excited knowing that, like, your hard work and your determination has definitely brought me to another level. And now that I'm able to be excuse me, sign, I'm able to get to another level now where I actually have some TV time and be able to fight for titles and then be able to have bigger fights with a promoter behind me as well and not just kind of being a lone fish out here and then people trying to give you opportunities, but they're not really good opportunities based on the fact that you're not signed. So really excited, really thankful for the opportunity, really excited, ready for the women, and excited for all of the moves that women are making as a whole in boxing. So, Raquel, for people that don't know your background, how did you start in boxing? How old were you when you started? And what's that journey been like? Um, I started boxing. I've been boxing for about seven years now. Um, I started boxing when I was 24. Um, and the journey has been amazing. I was on Team USA for a couple of years. Like I got to go to the 2012 game as an alternate. Um, I've been to both female Olympic trials and that got bronze medals. So it's been an amazing journey. It's been really challenging. It's been really hard just trying to fight for opportunities. Um, so, but, it, but I've been really consistent and just believing myself, and I refuse to quit. I refuse to stop until I get me a world title. And it's just been me proving to myself and to my family and my friends and things that anything is possible. Believing in yourself is key. So, so how, how did you get enticed by boxing? Um, I've always been a really um, tomboy, <laughs> and I've always been uh-huh. into a lot of sports, and I've always been tough, and I used to be able to beat up the boys in my neighborhood, <laughs> and, you know, I grew up in a tougher neighborhood in San Francisco, and it was really, for me, it was just about me challenging myself to see if I really was pretty bad, or was I just, like, good at kind of street brawling, <laughs> or was I actually good at boxing, so I took it as a challenge. I just wanted to have one fight and see what happened, and one fight led into 65 amateur, 70 amateur fights, and, you know, five full fights and go for a world title. 
So, so when you decided to box, what did you do? Did you just go to the first gym you went to, or did you ask around, or how did how did uh, you find the gym? When I first started boxing, uh, some of my friends, uh, Tati Jordan, he's a he's a heavyweight. He's no longer boxing right now, but he may be coming back. But he was actually boxing, and he brought me to his gym. And I wasn't disciplined to be honest at the time. I really just wanted to get in there and spar. I always thought I knew how to fight. And they told me that sparring was a privilege and that you don't just walk into the gym and spar. And I was pretty upset about it, so I quit. I was like, you know what, I think I was like 19 at the time, and I wasn't disciplined enough to really understand that. So I quit, and then I went back to another gym maybe a couple years later, and I tried again. But this gym, the guy was really inappropriate with me as a female, and he tried to come out to me, and it totally discouraged me. And I was just like, you know, they don't take women fighters seriously. He told me I should um, sign up to be a ring card girl. And I was serious, and I really wanted to kind of like – punch him in the eye, but you know, I didn't, I was strong, <laughs> you know, I just got my stuff and left the gym, but I was really honestly discouraged, and, you know, I quit again, and then the third time I came back to the gym, before I even went to the boxing gym, I just went to, like, a fitness gym just to get in shape, because I wanted the boxers and the, and the trainers to know when I got to a boxing gym, I wasn't playing no games, I was serious, and that I wasn't taking no brand, so I went to the 24-hour fitness, it's a local just boxing class. You know, I lost a ton of weight. I got in good shape, and then I showed up at the boxing gym, and I said, let's do this. I want to fight. And they took me serious, and I fought. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So at that, about how old were you at that time when it, when, you, when it was uh, set in stone that you were going to be boxing? You were 24 I was at that 20, time? I was 24. Yeah, I was 24. I'm sorry for my background if it's a little loud. But I was 24 when I really said, like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I went to the Nationals that year, and then the following year I went to the Olympics as the Olympic alternate. So things happened so, kind so, of <laughs> So did you fight uh, national competition and international competition as an amateur? Absolutely, yes. Uh-huh. What I was did. it like? So was what was that experience? 14. Well, actually, um, it was a really good experience because um, in, the, in the amateurs and the, for the women, we have a lot of competition because the women didn't really have that many avenues to go pro and get a lot of money. So the girls stay around in the amateurs for years, and they, you know, stay around so you have really high competition. So the girls were good. You know, you have franchise cruises, and, you know, you had a lot of girls that were really experienced. And so from there, I made Team USA, and I went to fight internationally, and I got to fight against Russia and uh, Poland and Turkey and uh, all these countries. And it's amazing. It's different styles of fighting, but every woman fights hard. No matter what country, no matter where she's from, you don't take anybody lightly because China's coming to fight just as hard as Russia's coming to fight just as hard as USA is coming to fight. But it's a great opportunity, a lot of different styles of fighting that you learn. So, so fighting on the American team, I'm sure you got to know all the other fighters. Was there was there friendship or animosity or or was it uh, like a team? A little bit of both. We have some okay. girls that you naturally just pick what you like. One of my best friends is Sierra Brown. Um, she's a fly. She's a, what is that? A, what are know. What are the women that are 132? Are they welterweight? No, they're not welterweight. Uh, lightweight. Light welterweight. Yeah, so the light, she's a lightweight. You know, she's one of the best in the world. She's won a gold medal at the world. So she became one of my closest friends, Francine Cruz. You know, she is a 
awesome double. She's had so many world medals, but we became friends. So some of the girls on the team you develop lifelong friendships with, and some of the girls you just don't like, and you know, you respect them because it takes a lot of effort and determination to get to that level, but you don't really want to go hang out with them, but you respect their effort. And, uh, I'm, I know I'm, I'm sure not naming you, no names and telling you who I didn't like. <laughs> but, you know, but, I, but, some of the girls I didn't but, like, but it's okay. But, but seeing uh, other girls in your weight class around the world, did you mentally make a mark and say, I may fight that girl someday as a pro? Yes, definitely. No matter what, even as in the USA, you know, you're thinking to yourself, if I go pro, these are going to be the same girls. There's not that many women in boxing, period. So the likelihood that you're fighting in pros is pretty high. So you're, you're scoping everybody else. You're, you're judging the playing field absolutely because, you know, it's a good chance that you're going to meet up again if you go pro. And uh, were you able to sustain yourself in a, on an outside job? Uh, was it hard doing both, boxing and a career? It, it's absolutely really hard. Um, it's, it's really just a matter. I did work a full-time job. I worked a full-time job for the first four or five years of me Boston, so it really amounted to being, like, really damn near, you know, 15, 15-hour days, talking about getting up in the morning, going to run before I get ready for work, and then on my lunch break, going to some fire fitness and getting off my getting off to work and going to the gym and sparring and then getting off from sparring and then going to swim. Like, it, it was really long days for, you know, years, but it was something that I really wanted to do, and I'm really hoping that women were able to really break down these barriers to where women can actually not work two or three jobs just to sustain to be able to try to box for a title. But it was very challenging, and um, I don't work a full-time job, job now, but I, I work for myself, so it's a little easier. But it's still a grind, and it's still a challenge because we're still not paid, you know, really handsomely for boxing. So it's a continued struggle. But I believe that, you know, that is paving the way for the girls that will come after me. It's important. My I've been – I've been noticing that there's a lot of female boxing uh, in, the, in the San Francisco Bay Area right now. Uh, is that is, is that a recent thing, or is that something that's been there for the last six, seven years? I feel like that's a recent thing because when I um, I don't live in the Bay Area anymore. I come home and I I, I visit frequently, but I'm based out of San Diego in the Los Angeles area. Um, it wasn't like that when I was here in the amateur because. I literally had no sparring. I, I barely had any fights. I didn't have any sparring. So that's really good for the girls that they're there because we never get to have any sparring with each other and see hardly any other women in the gym. So more power to them. Especially <laughs> they can afford to live in the bay. <laughs> Balling. Yeah, no, that's true. Very true. Yeah, they're gentrifying the whole area. <laughs> yeah. So, so what... Which, uh, I know you were supposed to fight against uh, Sylvia Sabados. Uh, what happened to that fight? Yeah, so initially I was scheduled to fight the Sabados, and unfortunately I got really, really sick with the flu, and my fever oh. ended up being like 105, and I couldn't break my fever. And I, honestly, I didn't think I had the flu. I thought I had, like, a lot of times when I'm training and it's getting down to the wire, um, I get a little bit of a cold, but it's just because your immune system is a little compromised. But I, yeah. so I thought I had a cold, and I kept taking vitamin C and, you know, popping some, um, some, some vitamins, and I thought I was okay, but I, I wasn't getting any better, and I was continuously, you know, working out two, three times a day. But then I kept feeling, like, really, really, like, a lot of, like, um, 
inflammation on my chest, and I kept, and I didn't realize I had a fever, to be honest, but I kept getting, like, hot and cold flashes, and my aunt called me and said, you know, a lot of people in my family had the flu, and they said, you need to go to the hospital to see if you had the flu, but unfortunately, it was two two days before I was going to take off for New York, and so I went to the, you know, hospital, got the flu swab, and it came out I had the flu, but I couldn't break my fever, and, it, you know, basically, that's what it was, so unfortunately... That's what happened with the with the survival fight, and I didn't get the fight because I had the flu, and it actually took me like two, three weeks to even get better from the flu. But stuff happens. Keep on rolling. That was so frustrating. You know, it was really it was really heartbreaking to be honest, and I shared some tears. I can't lie, like I didn't shed no tears because that was a big. I mean, there's more opportunities to come, but that was a big opportunity for me because I was going to announce then that I was signed to Isabella and. You know, it was gonna. That's when everything was gonna transpire. But because I got sick with the flu really bad, unfortunately, you know, that didn't happen. But you know, everything happens for a reason. Had you ever fought in New so York I, before? No, I'm so sad, but it's coming. But that was my first time to break out to the East Coast. You know, like I said, it was definitely a heartbreaker for me. But I felt like it was the best decision because, you know, who, I don't have time to. You know, being there, compromising my life. You know, I want to live the fight another day. So, definitely heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. But I'll be in action in the East Coast for sure, especially considering that I'm with Sabella now. So, it's coming. So, definitely wait for it, but it's coming. I notice that you're very patient. You're very patient. When people are announcing you should fight this person and that person, you're very patient and, uh, on social media saying, well, we're going to fight. It's going to happen. Uh, but is it, it is it kind of uh, it is. is it kind of like uh, what's the word uh, frustrating to hear all these people say, well, you should fight this person next. I know it happens a lot of women's boxing. boxing. Everybody has an opinion, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, but um, I'm going to do the best moves that are for Raquel. You know, and people can feel how they want to feel, but they're not in the gym with me. They're not putting in those six, seven-hour days with me. So I'm going to definitely strategically move to what's best for my career and what's best for me. And those fights, they're going to happen. I mean, as long as, you know, we all keep winning and doing our thing, those fights are bound to happen. And I'm not pressured by anything because I know what I bring to the table. I know how hard I work. And when, I, when the lights hit me, I'm going to shine. So talk is cheap. They can say whatever. I'm going to show up when it's time to. No matter. Who, who are some of the, the the people you would love to love to fight? Like, in, say your, your top three people you would love to fight. Um, I'm interested in you know it's like I don't really like to pick out certain people. I feel like you know the fans mm-hmm. already know who you know I have my eyes on. I, I'm gonna save it for the announcements so they can be excited when they hear it. But you know I'm excited. Oh, okay. and I'm got, I'm eyeing for all the top girls. So you know now we'll be having a promoter behind me. Just know that it's happening and it's in the works and it's in the making. And, you know, all of the fights that have been in communication and all of the hoopla, you know, it's only a matter of time it's going to happen. And when it happens, it's going to happen on a big stage. It's going to happen for some titles and it's about to go down. <laughs> so please, what please is, stay tuned. <laughs> what has Lou DeVella told you? Would you have, has he discussed uh, long-range plans with you? Yes, um, Lou DeVella, I'm really thankful for Lou DeVella just for, you know, speaking to me. Um, and talking to me personally. It wasn't like, you know, we had a conversation and I didn't talk to him personally. He just told me that he believes in me, he believes in my talent, you know, he believes in women boxing, and he's definitely going to put me in a position to shine. And we'll definitely have a title fight, you know, coming up pretty soon. You know, we're working towards that. The TV date is coming pretty soon. And he just told me, go out there and do my thing. 
and that he supports me, and he's being pretty deep. Uh, are you um, excited about knowing that uh, his other one of his other fighters is fighting on Saturday? Absolutely, I'm excited for Alicia and Napoleon. You know, we've um, we've been around an amateur together, so I'm excited for her. I'm excited for all women that's doing their thing. I'm excited for all the women breaking these tears and going further. And I hope that she gets that title because that puts us in a position where we can potentially come out and fight for that title. So. Bring that title home. You know, definitely so. I'm, I'm excited for her. I'm rooting for her. And I hope she goes up there and do her thing. I, I noticed that, uh, well, for the next two months, there's going to be like four or five uh, female bouts televised, all of them. Um, That's unlike uh, two years ago when there was none, all of a sudden they have five uh-huh. in a row. I mean, how does that make you feel for the sport itself? It's amazing feeling, to be honest, because a lot of us women have really put in a lot of work, a lot of blood, a lot of sweat, a lot of tears, and to finally see us kind of like breaking that surface again and getting the fans back exciting and getting opportunities and signing the big promotional contract, that's amazing. And it's, and it's awesome. It just shows us that our hard work is paying off and that we're starting to get noticed. And I'm excited and happy for any female out here making moves and, and doing our thing because it's really tough for us. And it's as it's tough, tough for guys, too, but... For the women, it's a little bit different because we don't have guys. I mean, we don't have women as far. All we in there are doing is smart guys. You know, we don't really have any opportunities to be on TV or to be on big cars. So to be getting these opportunities is amazing. Really a good time to be female boxer, and I'm, I'm excited to be a part of the, the conversation. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. Um, yeah. uh, Felipe, did you have some questions? Yeah, I, I just wanted to, well, I want to definitely just kind of keep people in the loop about, you know, I box and that's an amazing thing and I'm excited for it, but I also do a lot of work outside of boxing and I have a nonprofit organization, it's Ladies in Power. I'm going to have my third annual Fight Like a Girl event in San Francisco on April 14th, so if you're in that area or you know oh. any little girls who can be ages of 6 and 16, you know, bring them out. It's just a day about empowering and encouraging the little girls to know that they can do anything they choose to do, whether it's boxing or surfing or skiing or whatever they choose to do, they can do it and be strong at it and feel empowered. So it's an amazing day. Um, I'm excited, and I just feel like boxing is cool and all that good stuff, but I'm more than just a boxer. Um, I have some exciting business news to share. I'm hoping to close the deal, you know, within the next month or so. So definitely keep your eye out for Team Pretty Beast because we're making some moves, and, you know, we're going up to climb up that ladder. Now, and I want to thank you. No, yes. Raquel, I got a, I got some questions for you. Um, now, you mentioned that there was another offer uh, besides Le, Lou DiBella. Was that promoter based out of West Coast or was it another East Coast uh, promoter? Um, that's a really good question. I honestly believe that that promoter might have been based out of the the, West, the East Coast. To my knowledge, he might have been, but I'm not always sure. Um, definitely coming from older, but, you know, he definitely has his hand in women Boston, and he's making some amazing moves for women Boston, and I'm excited for them, too. Now, now that, you, that you're signed with DeBella and most of his cards are based out of the East Coast, and uh, you mentioned with David that you had spoken to him about the future plans. Has he mentioned to you that he's going to try to make some fights out here for you on the West Coast? Oh, that was a, that was something that I wanted to make sure that was um, even in my contract that I'm still going to be, you know, fighting in California because this is home. You know, I definitely plan to go take over the, the East Coast, definitely. But 
California is home, and I want to bring a title back home. And I, and if possible, I want to have a big fight in the near future in L.A. or in the Bay Area with, you know, some fighters from around this area. It's about to go down. So definitely know that I'm, I'm campaigning to be able to still fight at home. I might not be able to fight every fight at home, but I'm definitely campaigning to continue to fight in the Bay Area, in California, and continue to represent. So that was something that was big for me and important. And he was all for it and told me that he'd support me. Now, the last time we spoke to you, you were being advised by uh, Luigi Ozizi, who is known to, you know, ha- he has Jennifer Hahn. He, he's been involved with uh, Maureen uh, Shea uh, and other fighters, Alicia Ashley. But now uh, you're signed to a manager by the name of David McWater. So how did that happen? And what can you tell us about uh, David, who seems to have a lot of fighters under his uh, banner? Um, Luigi? Just to, you know, clarify, Luigi is awesome. You know, I definitely enjoy working with Luigi, and I'm very thankful for the things that he did help me accomplish in my career. Um, I did decide to work with uh, David McWaters, and it was just a decision that I thought was a better position for me business-wise. And David McWaters has been awesome for me so far. You know, he has um, he has a split team management promotion, and they I was the first team to really um, sign with him and work with him. But he's been really awesome. He's been very transparent. He's been helping me secure some big deals. And I've been pretty happy with him so far. And I'm thankful to represent. And I'm thankful to have him as a manager. So he's been really good for me so far. Now, your five fights, you fought um, as low as 156 pounds and as high as 165 pounds. So it gives me the idea that you could go as low as 154 or stay at 160. So what is... What is your plan? What At what weight class do you feel more comfortable at? Where do you want to go for a world title first? Or where do you want to stay at? At what weight class? Um, so I fought in the amateurs at 52, and then I went up to 65 for the Olympic weight class. But I feel good at 60. I'm pretty sure I can make 64 if I wanted to. And then I also can make 68. So I think initially I'm going to go for the, um, the 160 title. That's ideally my plan. I'm possibly, you know, think around there at the 154 mark and then definitely go and handle my business at 68. So, you know, wherever the position is right for me and I think that the fight is the best fight for me, that's probably where we're going to go. So don't count us out. We're, we're all in those weight classes. <laughs> we're all in those weight classes. Now, you mentioned the 160 title, and obviously the other name around that weight class is – even though she's not there yet, but that's where she's heading is Miss Clarissa Shields. You know, you guys had a little bit of history. You guys were together on Team USA. Um, how 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 uh, forward are you looking to may, face, uh, maybe well, facing her I'm as a pro? For it. I'm, that is going to happen. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting. It's going down. <laughs> I'm excited, and I'm going to do my thing, and I'm shining. <laughs> and there's going to be a lot of <laughs> Going down. Who can forget what was about? Who could forget about a year ago or maybe a year and a half ago when you and Maricela Cornejo were heated conversations about facing each other, but it kind of fizzled out. What uh, whatever happened to that fight? I mean, it was pretty hot and heavy between you guys. There's videos of you guys going face to face in Las Vegas, and then all of a sudden that fight Uh just never happened. So. I mean, they have, they've, they've, her team has said that they made you offers. You said that you never received them. What, what actually happened there? Um, so 
for the record, you know what I'm saying? They they say otherwise, but it's like I don't really care to make up any lies or whatever. It doesn't even matter. The the short of it is, I'm excited for that fight as a pro. That's a fight that I really would like to happen if we could possibly make it happen at this year. That would be really awesome. So you know, my people will definitely reach out. We reached out to her for my last fight in San Francisco where I faced. Um, what is the lady's name? I faced my last fight. Lisa. I'm sorry. Lisa Garland. Her name right now. Lisa Garland. Yeah, Lisa Garland. Um, we reached out to the um, Cornejo camp and asked them for that fight, but they said that they weren't interested at that time. And then they reached out to me for a fight in Los Angeles somewhere around that time with, like, um, eight to ten-day notice or something for, like, $1,200, and that was something I definitely wasn't interested in. So, like I said, it's been a lot of um, back and forth, but I'm excited that she signed the Golden Boy, you know, with Lou Bella. I'm hoping that they can kind of bridge that gap and we can make that fight happen. So, basically, it's just building up to be on a bigger, you know, on a bigger stage. And I want to fight her. And I'm looking forward to it in the future. I'm excited for her signing the Golden Boy. That's awesome for her. And, you know, it only makes sense for us to make it happen in the ring, you know, in the future. Hopefully in the near future. Are you planning on going to see her fight next Thursday in Orange County? Um, if I'm in if I'm in town, I'm definitely going to go out and support. Women need to support each other, even if we're not the best of friends. I mean, I don't have any personal issues against any other women in Boston. You know, this is Boston, you know, and I don't really care. Some of them might not care for me, but it doesn't really matter. The men of the day, I love me. <laughs> but it's also like I support women. That's, that's doing something positive. And if I'm in town, I'm going to go out and support her and let her know I'm still here and I still want to fight you. <laughs> but it's all good and, and it's all love and there's no animosity or anger. I mean, I don't care. I'm a boxer. I fight. This is what I do. So, you know, but shine, do your thing, you know, because we're paving the way for the women that's got that behind us, and there's no hard feelings, it's all business, and let's do this. And my last question, <laughs> my last question, Raquel, when can we see her back in the ring? When when, when has Debella told you that she's going to have a fight date for you? Um, I'm hoping to be back in the ring in April. Um, I've been in communication with my manager, so I definitely will be announcing a fight date fairly soon, but we just kind of talking as a team and sharing out what show and what's going to be the best, but you can definitely expect some fight news from me within the coming weeks for sure. Now, before we let you go, why don't you go ahead and share your social media accounts and all, and, and where people can find more information about your project with, uh, with the young women that you support out there in the Bay Area as far as uh, that amateur fight card you got you put together. Thank you so much. So you can definitely follow me on um, Facebook at Raquel Miller under my athlete page. I'm on Instagram at MS period Raquel Miller. Um, you can also find me on Twitter, Tumblr, and all of the other social media aspects. Um, office and I'm under Miss um, Raquel Miller. And Ladies in Power is my nonprofit organization. And our email, I mean, our website is ladiesinpower.org. And you can also check us out on Facebook at Ladies in Power. So please check us out and support. And if you have some young ladies in this area, you know, bring her out. It's going to be an amazing day. You know, we're going to provide lunch and T-shirts and gift bags and a whole bunch of boxing and, you know, empowerment. It's going to be awesome. And thank you for listening. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. And just thank you for supporting women boxing as a whole. It means a lot to us, and I'm thankful. Thank you, Raquel, for joining us. And uh, hopefully we'll have you soon. Good uh, Congratulations with your recent signing with Devella Entertainment, and good luck in, uh, in your future endeavors. And uh, we'll have you on soon. Thank you, thank you. I'm definitely looking to talk to you guys soon when I announce some more big news. So thank you guys for hitting me up. Have well, look there you go, you Raquel. Team Pretty Beast. Team Pretty Beast. <laughs> <laughs> have a good night. <laughs> Bye-bye. Take care. <laughs> and there you have it, Ms. Raquel Miller, 5-0, three knockouts, originally from San Francisco, California, 
but now fighting out of my hometown, San Diego, California. It's a great girl. I've met her a couple of times. Um, and she's very charismatic, just like we could hear on the, on our interview here with her. And uh, she's a good fighter. She's a good fighter. She's uh, tall and strong for, for that weight class. So I can't wait to see more of her. And it looks like things are, are starting to happen for her. She's 33 years old, which is not necessarily old, old for boxing. She started boxing when she was no. 24. So she's not, you know, she's not, she didn't start when she was 12 or 14 and she's burnt out after 20 years of, of being in the ring. So everything is still somewhat new for her, but she has accomplished a lot. I mean, she was in a team USA. She was a chief sparring partner for Clarissa Shields when Clarissa Shields went for the gold in 2012. Um, you actually, if you watch the Clarissa Shields, um, documentary on Netflix called T-Rex, Raquel Miller's there, and she's uh, uh, cheering her on at the 2012 Olympics. So uh, good things for Raquel Miller. And, and she said, I mean, she's a fighter, and she wants to fight everybody. So, you know, I would love to see her against Maricela Cornejo. I would love to see her against, um, you know, obviously Clarissa Shields or any other, other fighters there. So let's see what happens. Yes, exciting news. There you go. So now, uh, finishing up our fight results here on the two-minute round, if you want to give us a call, you can do so at 323-580-5735. This is your all-female boxing show every other week here at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the two-minute round. And our next show is scheduled for March 15th, where we're going to be talking about the upcoming calendar. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the upcoming calendar and then, obviously, on March 15th, we'll have another exclusive interview with one of the big players in female boxing, as well as the results. Um, but on Saturday, February 24th, right here in Inglewood, California, at the Fabulous Forum, the ex-home of the Los Angeles Lakers back in the 80s and the 90s, I think it was into the 90s, right, David, that they, that they played right. there at the Forum? Yeah, um, all the way up to 99. There you go, all the way to 99. When I was growing up, David, and obviously I'm a lot younger than you, um, mm-hmm. I would, I would, I mean, I would come home and turn on. They used to, they used to broadcast all the Laker games here in San Diego with Chick Hearn and that <laughs> that uh, that um, that classic lineup of uh, Irving Magic Johnson and AC Green and James Worthy and uh, all these guys. So. It's pretty. It's pretty exciting for me when I get to go to the forum. I've been there two or three times, and I was there this Saturday night, this past Saturday night, as well as you were, where we got to see uh, Mexican Anaí La Panterita Torres score a shocking and surprising unanimous decision over formerly undefeated Luisa uh, Lawson in an eight-rounder for the vacant WBC International 108-pound title. The scores were 79-73 and 77-75 two times. Luisa, who had been out of the ring for two years, is a former WBO champion. She was stripped of that title for, uh, for not defending it. And was coming back, and coming back with a bang, because it was announced last week before her fight that she had signed with 360 Promotions, which is the new promotional company of Mr. Tom Loeffler. And also, uh, she had signed to, uh, to, Grant, uh, to Elvis Grant Phillips, who is, uh, you know, the maker of Grant, 
boxing gloves and that she was being trained by uh, Jimmy Montoya, who was a well-known uh, boxing trainer based out of Arizona. She had been, she's been working out of Las Vegas. And obviously this wasn't a, uh, a, uh, a, um, a result that was expected. What did you think of the fight, David? You were there, you were ringside. How did you see it? Well, you know, I had never seen a Lawton fight before. And uh, I, I saw a brief tape and it really couldn't show me what kind of style she had. But all I knew is that if she was a runner, she could beat Torres. But if she was the kind of girl that was aggressive, then she was going to have a problem because Torres cannot, can bang with the best. And uh, even though she doesn't always come out on top, she's experienced. She's faced all these great world champions today, like Mariana Juarez and so forth. And, I mean, the only time she really had trouble is with girls that can move, like a Sinisa Estrada. And Loughton went straight at her, and that was right into Torres' game. I mean, she just played that game perfectly. Yeah, I think that we actually spoke about that uh before that uh, we actually spoke about that before that you know that for me and I mentioned it to you that for me it seemed kind of uh, a fight for for uh, to be coming back to she had not fought in two years and to come back to a fighter that although her record is not that um, what would you say impressive she has 17 wins with 16 losses uh, Anaí Torres does, but like you mentioned, she has faced everybody in those weight classes, going up in weight and going down in weight. She's naturally a 105 pounder, and she fought at 108, but she has fought everybody, and she's given everybody good fights in those weight classes. And um, to me, I thought she was a too a little bit too tough for Lawson after a two year hiatus, and maybe Lawson was mm-hmm. good enough to beat her, but just the fact that she has not fought in two years, there's rust, there's timing that you have to kind of get, uh, you need, you need some, some boxing. You need to be in the ring to get your timing back and to get to to shake off that rust. And for her to be able to do it against a fighter like Torres, I thought it would have been too much. Now if she would have beaten Torres, then obviously we would be saying she was the best thing since sliced bread, but it was evident <laughs> Yeah, it was evident after two or three rounds that Torres had her number and that the fight, unless Lawson did something, changed something completely different uh, in the middle of the fight all the way to the end, um, it w- we were going to see Torres win. I mean, I saw that, and I'm sure you did. Now, one thing about Lawson is that she did go for the knockout. I mean, she knew she needed a score oh, of yeah. big punch in the last couple of rounds, and she went for it. So it was a lesson learned for her. Now, I did have a chance to speak to Tom Loeffler, who is the uh, president and CEO of 360 Promotions, and asked, her, asked him about this fight, about Lawson signing, and about this loss and what it means in her career. And this is what he had to say. Someone uh, tough like uh, Torres, uh, you know, showed a lot of a lot of heart, and 
you know, I think she's going to go and you know, work on her skills. It was only her eighth fight. So, um, you know, I, I think she still has a lot of, a lot of potential in, in the female boxing. Whose decision was it to face somebody as tough as Torres? Her record is not that great, but as we saw, she knew how to handle herself in there. Two years of inactivity for Lawson. Tough fight. Uh, Torres, uh, Torres is, a, is a very experienced veteran, big puncher. And uh, we saw that she was able to, to get the decision tonight against uh, Luisa. I'm sure that she'll, she'll work on, uh, you know, her improving her skills. And, and uh, I think uh, she still has a lot of uh, things to come with uh, Luisa. What do we expect? Uh, when do we expect to see her back in the ring? I don't know. I'll sit down and talk to Elvis Phillips and uh, see, what, uh, see what their plan is. <laughs> And there you have it, the words of Mr. Tom Loeffler regarding Luisa Lawson and her loss uh, to Anaí Torres. David, your thoughts about uh, Mr. Loeffler's comments? And, you know, he didn't really answer the question. I don't know if he knew what Anaí Torres was bringing to the table, but somebody had to know in that team between Jimmy Montoya, uh, Loeffler, and uh, Elvis Grant Phillips. I kind of get the idea that... uh, and now he thought it was used because uh, she had fought Sunisa, and Sunisa had such an easy time. But I think uh, Loughton came, and nobody really knew how she fought. She had a good record, but nobody knew her style. And that's one of those things that, unless you know boxing, uh, uh, a certain person's style, then you'll, you'll know how it's going to come out. And I think Loughton was just a big mystery. Nobody knew her mm-hmm. style. They didn't know if she was aggressive, counterpuncher, a mover, uh, uh, southpaw slickster. Nobody knew. We, we didn't know if she had a chin, and that's one thing she did show because Torres hit her on the button so many times, and she never went down. So yeah. that impressed me at least. I mean, she took some big blows and didn't even flinch, uh, and she mm-hmm. kept going for that knockout. So that was kind of impressive. But now the one to learn other things. The one that did know what to expect was Torres, because I actually had a chance to speak to her about the fight after her win, and you can read uh, her comments on theprizefighters.com in the uh, fight report that we did from the forum after the fight. And she mentioned to me that she, they, her, and her team studied the video. They knew that she was going to be a, that she was quick, that she had speed uh, in her hands and her footwork, and that, um, you know, they knew that she was going to come with a lot of punches and that she would look for that overhand right, overhand right. So Torres had the right strategy, and she was able to counter punch her and score her own right hand numerous times in, in different, from different angles, straight punches, hooks, everything, and that's what gave her the win on Saturday, February 24th, and with that, she wins the international WBC 108-pound title, which gives her a top 15 ranking with the WBC. She did mention that she did not know she was going to stay in that division or go back to her 105 that she originally fights at, but, you know, with, with the record of 17 wins, 16 losses, she became more of a spoiler than, you know, a contender. Uh, even with the with the that you know regional title per se the WBC international title and lastly in the uh, fight results on Sunday February 25th in Manchester England Natasha Jones scored a decision over Karina Kopinska in a six rounder at 135 pounds and that brings us to the end of our fight results.
Now a little bit of fight chatter, David. Originally slated to challenge this week for the WBC Super Featherweight title, the fight between WBC champion Ever Wonstrom and challenger Melissa Stainville from New York, originally from Haiti, has been pushed back to April 6th in Finland. No official reason, reason was given. Do you know, David, have you gotten some inside scoop of why yeah. that fight changed uh, uh, dates? Yeah, they, they had a bigger arena, and it was set uh, in Finland, but the ticket sales were really bad. So what they mm. did is they decided to change the venue and move it to a smaller arena and uh, give it more time to, to resonate among the fans and give uh, more exposure to it. Uh, but it's still set. Melissa St. Vale is still on board, and they'll be fighting in April. Now, is, uh, is that the main event? That's a good question. I'm not sure if it is, but I know it's for the title. So uh, mm-hmm. it's probably the Coleman event at least. Well, I'm just wondering if that's what the uh, what what the ticket sales are based on, and if it's not if it's not strong ticket sales. I mean, if it's not the main event and, and the main event is something else, then it is what it is. But if that's the main event and the ticket sales are not strong, then it kind of gives us an indication of how popular uh, female boxing is in Finland, despite having. Uh, uh, Eva Wallstrom as a WBC Super Featherweight Champion. Very true. Very true. Uh, now, another announcement that was made earlier this week actually is that WBC and WBA Featherweight Champion Jelena Maranovic, who we actually said hello to this past Saturday night, she was in the house at the forum, announced on her social media accounts that she would be re- returning to the ring and fighting in her hometown in Canada in Edmonton on April 28th. Her last fight was back in July of 2017 in France, where she fought to a draw against Stephanie Ducastel. So actually no opponent yet for Miss Maranovic, but she is coming back uh, almost a year after her last fight on April 28th. I know I read it here and there, David, that they're having some kind of uh, legal issues in, ca- in that town in Edmonton, Canada, I believe, is their hometown. I think they're trying to ban combat sports or something to that nature. And, uh, and 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 that's why she was having trouble maybe getting a fight because we all know that she's very popular in her hometown of Edmonton, um, and and I guess there's having some issues there with the with the local uh, government. But this fight is uh, scheduled for that for Edmonton, Canada. Yeah, it was kind of sad to hear that they put some kind of suspension in all combat sports there, and uh, I think it just was recently. Uh, uh, unveiled that they they stopped that suspension and now she's re- ready to go at home. That's why she had fought in France, I think, in back-to-back fights. Yeah, in back-to-back fights where she, in her first fight in, 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 uh, she got a split decision over Gaella Mann, who was uh, previously undefeated, and then uh, she ended up getting a split draw against Stephanie Ducastel, uh, also defending her WBA and WBC world titles. So let's see who they end up finding for her for Canada. Um, let's go. Let me see if we could keep, get, get a quick, um, get a quick, I mean, not that this would happen because anything can happen in boxing, but let's just say that they actually followed the rules and tried to match her against a fighter in the top 15 in her weight class for the WBC. So let's see who is 
uh, uh, rated in the top 15 at 126 pounds. Give me one second here. Uh, one second. Let me see. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I mean, if they offer enough money, I think that she that they should go. But or maybe even a rematch with uh, either one of them, either um, Ducasta, which will make more sense, or uh, Amand, who she got a majority decision against, uh, would make sense. Um, even number fifteen, I'm, ranked number. Go ahead. Yeah, I think uh, Madison Toronto is one of the fighters too. Yeah, but I mean. I, I don't see that happening. But number 15 for the WBC at featherweight, I don't know if she's still going to be fighting at featherweight, but and, and who knows if she's going to be fighting at all because I don't even think she's training is Miss Kalisha West, who as of the last ratings for the WBC at featherweight, she is uh, ranked number 15. Number 14 is Edina Kiss, who I don't – I mean, they could have that fight, but I believe Miranovic has probably fought her like, Five times everybody fights in the kiss in that weight class. Um, I don't think. Oh, maybe she hasn't fought her. I don't see her in her. I don't think she's ever fought in the kiss. So we might be oh. seeing that. Uh, Miranovic. Oh, uh, Marjanovic. Yeah. Miranovic. Yeah, she's never fought in the kiss. So we might see that. <laughs> then we have uh, we have Unafi Miakeni from South Africa. We have Mayra Alejandra Gomez in Argenti- from Argentina as number 12. Angelique Duchemin, Duchemin from France as number 11. Yareli Larios, who, we, who scored a first-round TKO, is number 10. But I think she's more of a super bantamweight. But offer her enough money, I'm sure she would go to Canada and face uh, Jelena. Jelena. Uh, number nine is Jasmine Rivas, who I believe is also might be looking at 122 pounds. Olivia Gerula is from Canada. She's at number eight. Elina from Germany, seven. Castle is number six. Ronica Jeffrey is the silver champion. She's at number five. five. Jennifer Hahn, who you mentioned, the IBF featherweight champion, is number four. Elise Matisse, hey, why not see the third fight? They split. They got split wins there, right? Elisa, uh, uh, Elisa Soledad Matisse, the, the sister of Lucas Matisse, she first uh, uh, beat Zelena back in 2015. And then Matisse re- went to Canada, and she ended up losing that decision back in 2016. So, I mean, that's a good fight. I wouldn't mind seeing that. She's number three, although when's the last time that she fought? Uh, at least. I don't know if she's fought recently. Been a while. Uh, she fought. Uh, she ain't not that far. October of 2017. So she's due for a fight oh. here pretty soon. And then Miss Heather Hardy, who is, has been doing some MMA fighting, who just beat Anna Huleton a couple of weeks ago in their uh, first of two fights. The first one was going to be in the MMA. She ended up winning a unanimous decision, which a lot of people mentioned that it was somewhat boring, but she countered that on her social media saying, hey, I went out to win. I didn't care if it was born or not. I wanted to win. And she, that, <laughs> it's exactly what she did. And the number one seed for the WBC is WBO featherweight champion, Miss Cindy Serrano. So well, let's see who they end up matching uh, Miss Jelena Maranovic on April 28th in her hometown of Edmonton, Canada. Now, David, we spoke about Mariana Juarez's win over Gabriela Bouvier, and in 
a very traditional Barbie way, she stated that if a fight against fellow Mexican legend Jackie Nava can't be made for the summer, a fight that has been talked about for at least a year, year and a half, she wants to move up to 122 pounds and take on the WBC Super Bantamweight champion Fatuma Sarika of Africa. So Juarez, at her 37, 38 years of age, has no stopping her. And now she just conquered, I think last year, her third world title in as many divisions. And now she might be going for number four, following the footsteps of Amanda Serrano. I'm sure that you like that idea. Definitely. I definitely like that idea. Might as well go out with a bang. This is exactly. the last year. And, and she mentioned to us in our conversation that we had with her. When did we talk to her? We talked to her uh, that that she was that they were in, yeah that she was in talks with Sarika, but that that Sarika wanted to have both titles on the line, and, and the WBC wasn't really into that or something to that effect. Remember that? Uh, vaguely, vaguely. Yeah, she mentioned that Sarika wanted the 118 and the 122 titles on the line. And, I don't think that it was something that either Juarez was willing to do or maybe the WBC. So maybe that was the reason why it wasn't made. But now that that Mariana has basically solidified her 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 place in 118 pounds, now um, she might be thinking of going up to 122. Because if we look at 118, David, um, let me see who's there. We have Mariana Juarez as a WBC champion. We have Maria Cecilia Roman from Argentina as the IBF. We have Daniela Romina Bermudez as a WBO champion. But I'm sure Mariana, um, I mean, she might. I don't, I don't think that's a good idea going for the rematch since Bermudez was the first fighter to beat her at, at a 118. And now she's the WBO champion at, at, uh, at 118, Daniela Bermudez. And then at the WBA, we have Mayerlin Rivas and Diana Cordero. So, you know, fighting any of these women, yeah, she's going to be able to unify the title, but none of these women are big names to make, to no. have Televisa pay her more money. She might, she might be able to demand a little bit more money from them if I saying, hey, I'm going to go up another division and go for, you know, another uh, fourth title in as many divisions, so I need to get paid a little bit more. And that seems more enticing than maybe unifying against one of the other 118-pound fighters. The only one that I think may be able to demand, that Mariana could demand a little bit more money, is if she presented the rematch against Bermudez to Televisa and saying, hey, I lost to her. Now she's a champ. I'll be able to unify. Maybe you guys could uh, spare a couple more pesos my way if I make that fight. So let's see what happens with Miss Mariana Juarez. And lastly, in the fight chatter, David, it was announced last week a unification fight between current WBO lightweight champion Katie Taylor of Ireland and Argentina's IBF titleist Victoria Bustos will go down at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn on April 28th. That fight will be on the undercard of former WBA middleweight champion uh, Daniel Jacobs' next fight. So Katie Taylor coming back to the United States, I think this marks the second time that she fights on U.S. soil. Yeah, that's an interesting fight. Bustos is a solid fighter. I don't think she's the same caliber as uh, Katie Taylor, but We'll see. Maybe she's improved. 
Well, Bustos is the she's 18 and four, no knockout, so she has no power. She's 29 years old, so she's actually younger than Kay Taylor. Kay Taylor is 31 years old, not that much uh, younger. She's Kay Taylor's eight and zero with four knockouts. And uh, Victoria Noelia Bustos, uh, you know, her losses, her first loss came to uh, to current WBC super lightweight champion Erika Anabela Farias, who is also from um, Argentina. Um, her second loss came to another Argentinian by the name of Natalia Vanessa del Valle Aguirre, and these girls have longer names than the Mexican women. And um, and her third but the, fight. But the middle names are middle names; they're not last names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, her third loss also came to the same fighter, Natalia Vanessa del Valle Aguirre. And <laughs> actually, she's only fought. She's fought. She's she's fought 22 fights. She has four losses. But those four losses have only come to two women. Her first loss and her last loss were to Erika Anabela Farias, and her second and third loss were to Natalia Aguirre. So she's lost to the same people. She beat Ana Laura Esteche, who is a, a, a who's a champ. Um, and uh, and and that's it. I mean, that's the only other name that she has on her on her uh, on her record. Uh, Ana Laura Esteche, besides. You know, Erika Anabela Farias, and then she also beat Kimberly Connor um, not too long ago. She captured uh, the IBF world title against Kimberly Connor back in March of 2017, and she's defended it once back in August against Maria Soledad Capriolo, and now she's going to be putting it on the line against who many consider the best lightweight in the world right now, Katie Taylor, the WBA lightweight champion that's going to happen in New York City, in Brooklyn, more specifically, on April 28th. It's not going to be televised by HBO, but more than likely, we'll be able to find a stream of it um, somehow or another on the internet. Now, before we move on, our next show is on March 15th here at the Two Minute Round, your hooks and jazz look at the female fight world. And let's give you the upcoming calendar, which is pretty interesting, starting this Saturday, March 3rd from the SSE Hydro in Glasgow, Scotland. Chantel Cameron is going to be facing Miriam DeLal in a 10-rounder for the IBO 135-pound title. So there is. Uh, the IBO is not one of the four major titles, but if you had to go with the fifth major title, it would probably be the IBO, right, David? Yeah, it's very big in Europe. Yeah. So she's going to be challenging for that. Or actually, I believe she's defending it. And that might be another with a good win here. She might be a good uh, a good opponent in the future for the winner of that Katie Taylor uh, Victoria Bustos fight. And now Taylor has stated that she wants all the titles this year. That she's looking to unify the division this year, 2018. And who knows? Maybe she does that. She moves up to 140 uh, in 2019. So let's see what happens there. Now, also we mentioned it earlier in our. In our interview with Raquel Miller from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, the Bella Entertainment gives us Alicia Napoleon facing Femke Hermans in a 10-rounder for the vacant WBO 168-pound title. The only other champion in that weight class is Miss Clarissa Shields, but it's almost a given that Miss Clarissa Shields is going to be going to 160 pounds to challenge Christina Hammer there. So once Clarissa Shields does that, that 168-pound uh, division might be left wide open, and with if Alicia ends up winning that that title this weekend, she might be, you know, 
the queen of the of the heap there at uh at uh at 168 pounds. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, scenario there, and uh, the now, Bella is wise for doing it, putting it together. Now, what do you know about Femke Hermans? Hermans, she's six and zero. She's from Belgium. She has three knockouts, and this actually, well, it, it's her second ten rounder, scheduled ten rounder. Uh, she's got mm-hmm. six rounds. Uh, all her other fights, her other five fights, have been six rounds. Her third fight was a scheduled 10-rounder, but she ended up stopping Elena Sigmashvili um, for the vacant Belgium super middleweight title. So she's a natural super middleweight, although she tends to stay closer to 160 and just goes over by a little bit. Um, and that's why she is the super middleweight. Uh, so it's her second scheduled 10-rounder. She's never fought anybody with Somewhat of an impressive record, except for Elena Sikmashvili, who was eight and two when they fought, and she stopped her with a knockout in two. Um, she's only 28 years old versus Alicia Napoleon, who's eight and one with five knockouts, 32 years old, a big ticket seller in the Long uh, Long Island, New York tri-state area. And her only loss came uh, in 2016 against the very tough Tori Nelson. Uh, it was a unanimous decision, and the last time we saw Tori Nelson was losing to Clarissa Shields on Showtime. So it seems almost as a given that by on paper, Alicia Napoleon should be the next WBA Super Bantamweight champion. Would you agree, David? Yeah, she's uh, talented. She's not real, real fast, but she's very skilled. Uh, she knows what she's doing. Uh, she gave Tori Nelson a tough fight, even though she lost by unanimous decision every round was contested there was no easy rounds for Tori Nelson so uh, I expect her to do well but I haven't seen Fenty Fernanda at all so I mean I'm just guessing that she, she should be able to to defeat her but you know if you haven't seen somebody it's kind of like shooting in the dark yeah. now David you you know, you mentioned that Napoleon is a bit slow, but she seems very strong. What do you think was her what's her best tool that she used against Tori Nelson to make that a tough fight? Uh, she seemed to be um, her defense is pretty good. She has pretty good defense, and she can counter pretty well. Uh, she's not really a counter puncher, but she knows how to exchange. You know, if you most girls don't know how to exchange. They'll either cover up or they'll fire, but they don't know how to, you know, exchange uh, by countering and blocking and hitting. And she she knows. She has skills. So that's the, the thing that stands out with with uh, Alicia and Napoleon. I, I expect her to win, or at least be a very tough fight. There you go. And now, David, uh, well, we'll see what happens, and hopefully we could catch a stream. Maybe it gets streamed somewhere by, by Showtime, and we get to see that fight on Saturday, uh, this Saturday, March 3rd. Now, on Thursday, March 8th, for from the Korakuen Hall in Tokyo, Japan, it's an all-female show, David, and we've seen these before. That Japan oh, you're, skipping, little- you're, skipping, you're skipping something. On Saturday, Layla McCarter, by oh, Victoria C. Smedos. Oh, how come I didn't catch that? Let me see. Yeah, that's on Saturday. It'll Let be in, in Ignacio, Colorado. 
Mm. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, here we go. Victoria Cisneros is going to be in Ignacio, Colorado, and it's going to be for the vacant Global Boxing Union welterweight title and the vacant Women's International Boxing Federation, the WIBF uh, World Welterweight title. It's scheduled for 10 rounds against Victoria Cisneros. We're talking about Leila MacArthur, 38 years old, 40 wins, 13 losses, 5 draws, 10 knockouts. I mean, if you don't know Leila MacArthur, you don't know female boxing, quite honestly. And Victoria Cisneros, uh, she's 13 wins, 19 losses, two draws, six knockouts. And the last time that she saw some, uh, action was only uh, December of last year, where she defeated Rosa Diaz uh, from Agua Prieta, stopping her in, in two rounds. So it looks like a competitive fight. Uh, she's you know, we a know, dangerous fighter. Yeah. You know, very dangerous. She's, She's upset some people along the road, people that are supposed to just, you know, take an easy win over it. And she's a very dangerous fight for Layla McCarvick. If Layla takes her easy at all, uh, Cisneros can beat her. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the thing, the, the talk of the, the, to me, the most interesting thing of, of this whole fight is, and, and Layla, she's been with us and she discussed it with us is she signed to many with the promotions and she's fighting in Ignacio Colorado for these world titles. So uh, who knows? I mean, is she still with Mayweather? Is Mayweather someone involved in this promotion? We don't know at this point, but it's pretty disappointing that a talent like Leila MacArthur, not downgrading this fight, but being signed to Mayweather promotion to quite possibly one of the biggest names in boxing in the last 10 to 15 years, you know, she should be having a higher profile than, than this fight that quite honestly, I overlooked myself who we do this show and I overlooked it because I, I mean, I seen the promotion for it, but it escaped my mind. Yeah. You know, Mayweather promotions, they have no knowledge about female boxing. As what happened with David Knight's a good example. What's happened with the negotiations between Cecilia Brakis and Layla McCarter for what could be the super fight of all super fights, uh, the two top pound-for-pound female fighters in the world, they let that go by. They didn't handle the negotiations right. Um, Brakis wasn't happy. Layla wasn't happy. It's, you know, it's, it just shows they, they have no knowledge about the female game or I don't know if they have the respect for it. I wasn't there at the negotiations, but I know they're doing a bad job in terms of women's boxing. And I'm just going to say that because I've seen them fail too many times. And, and I agree, David. And I mean, they have Layla MacArthur under, you know, to a contract. Ava Knight, it looks like she signed a contract already. At first, it was just kind of like, a, let's see, let's see what happens. But now it looks like she's signed a contract. They have Latondra Jones, who hasn't fought in, in a while. She was being kept quite busy. And all of a sudden, I mean, we don't know if something's going on with her, you know. But but all of a sudden, she's falling from the face of the earth, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's 5-0, and middleweight. She fought, um, she fought on, in October 2015. Then she fought in February of 2016, which is... Uh, you know, a good rhythm. Then she fought on, in April of 2016. She has not fought. She fought four times in 2016, one time in 2015, and she has not fought since. 
So I don't know if it's her. I don't know if it's Mayweather Promotions, but she has not. She has not. She didn't fight in all 2017, and she didn't fight in all 2000, and she hasn't fought in 2018 so far. And then uh, the other, the English woman that they ended up signing, the she. I don't. I don't remember her name. Do you remember her name, David? I don't know. I don't even know they signed an English woman. <laughs> yeah, they signed a. I forgot her name. They signed an English woman who I think was the only woman to have beat Clarissa Shields in the amateurs. Oh, that's right. I heard some rumor about that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, that tells you, Mayweather Promotion does does a horrible job of promoting it. Yeah. You don't even know. Exactly. I, mean, I never find out anything about uh, when Ava Knight was announced as being with Mayweather Promotions. I didn't get any kind of announcement. I didn't see anything. The only thing I saw was on uh, social media. Yeah, and and, and I asked uh, I asked through social media. I asked Ava Knight if she actually signed a contract uh, with Mayweather. She said not yet. But then I seen other things that she has. So uh, we don't know um, exactly for sure if she's actually signed. Um, to uh, to uh, to uh, Mayweather Promotions. I mean, but she is, you know, looking to fight under that banner. Um, I mean, if you go to Mayweather Promotions uh, website, they have Ava Knight listed as a super flyweight in under their banner. So, so oh, okay. yeah, her name is Savannah Marshall. Savannah Marshall oh, okay. is a fighter. She's also she's a junior middleweight. Let me see. Let me see if, how many times she has fought. Savannah Marshall. She's one and zero. She's from uh, Hartpool in United Kingdom. She's one and zero, and she fought. Her last fight was October of 2017. She has not fought since 26 years old. She was part of the UK uh, uh, amateur program. So there you go. So well, let's see what happens with these fighters that under the Mayweather promotion band. But like I was saying, David, so after March 3rd, we have Chantel Cameron against Miriam Delal in Scotland. We have Alicia Napoleon against Femke Hermans for the vacant WBA at 168 pounds in New York. And then in Nassau, Colorado, we have uh, Leila MacArthur against Victoria uh, Cisneros for a couple of, uh, of world titles as well. Uh, on Thursday, March 8th, an all-female show in Japan, David, with Kayoko Ibata, against Korean G. Hume Park in a 10-rounder for the WBO minimum weight title, and Chaos Minowa against Tenkei Tsunami, who's fought wow. in Mexico a couple of times, oh, yeah. in a 10-rounder for the vacant WBO 108-pound title. So, David, did Naoko Fuyoka vacate the title? Because that's the title that she won against uh, Yokasta Valle, the WBO 108-pound title. I... You know, I'm hearing some rumors that there's problems going on over there. Uh, mm. I don't, you know, I don't want to say anything because uh, I haven't uh, substantiated it yet. But uh, I, I hear there's some kind of problem going over there uh, with uh, management or something. And uh, I, maybe we ought to get Naoko to come out on uh, our show. I'm sure we can get her. Well, let's try it. And, and, and uh, our friend... Uh... Her name escapes me, David. She could translate for us. Eureka. Yeah, Eureka. Eureka. Let's try to see if we can put that together for March 15th. 
um, uh, for our next show, maybe we can get Fuyoka on there. Now, Friday, March 9th, from the hangar in Costa Mesa, California, Golden Boy Promotions on ESPN, although I don't think this fight is going to be televised on ESPN. I heard but it, it was. Might be, oh, really? Like a swing bout? Uh, I heard that it, it was going to be televised. Either it's going to be on um, a swing bout or on the app. They have an app. Uh-huh. And gonna, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I think they, 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 they broadcast all the fights. It's just some of them are broadcast on the app, and some of them are actually broadcast on the channel. But Maricela Cornejo is going to be taking on. Do you know who's taking on, David? No, I don't. They were, at, at press time, they were still looking at, uh, at some opponents. Well, somebody's Go listed. Ahead. Somebody's listed oh, okay. on... Somebody's listed, but I mean, I don't know if it's official or not, but it's listed, and that fighter is Ms. Lisa Noel Garland in a six-rounder at 154 pounds. Lisa Garland is the mm. fighter who I won, who faced Raquel Miller in Raquel Miller's last fight. She was stopped in one, in, in one round by Raquel Miller because Lisa Garland is a natural 140-147-pounder, um, and she went, out, she went up and fought Raquel Miller, 157 pounds, and she got stopped in the first round. And now she's scheduled to fight Maricela Cornejo at 154 pounds. And at one time, she was also rumored to have been the opponent for uh, the beginning of February or uh, for um, Christina Hammer in Detroit. But that fight exactly. didn't end up materializing because Christina Hammer couldn't secure her visa. So exactly. let's see when Golden Boy makes the official announcement, but I've seen the fight listed uh, as a six-rounder at 154 pounds. Maricela Cordejo against Lisa Noel Garland from the hangar in Costa Mesa on March 9th, yep. ESPN or ESPN app. Um, on Saturday, March 10th, from the Struer Arena in Struer, Denmark, Dina Torsland takes on veteran Alicia Ashley in a 10-rounder for the vacant interim WBC 122-pound title. Alicia Ashley's still in the game. She's like 50. She's at least 50 years old, right, David? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 50 years old. She's still in the game. Now she's going out to Denmark to fight uh, for the interim vacant title. She was at one point the 122-pound champion. She's 50 years old. Exactly, David. Her birthday is in August. Um so she is going to be fighting Dina Torsland, an uh, uh, undefeated 10-0 fighter. Alicia Ashley is 24-11-1 with four knockouts. Also on March 10th in Germany, Raja Amashe has skipped, has jumped ships, David. She was a, a long career WBC champion. She actually held the WBC silver title for quite a while, the 112-pound title, and she jumped ship, and now she's fighting for the vacant WBO 115-pound title. David, this is the same title that Daniela Bermudez held um, held for a while, but then she moved up and conquered the WBO Bantamweight title, so she she vacated the 115, and now Raja Amashe, originally from Armenia, but living out of, and fighting out of Germany, is going to be facing Tamao Ozawa for the vacant WBO title on March 10th. Um, in Germany. And lastly, I'm going to be in the house. I'm sure you're going to be there as well from the StubHub Center in Carson, California, top rank on the ESPN. So I'm sure you're going to be able to find this on the app. Michaela Mayer takes on Maria Semerzo Gluo. Wow, that's a, I don't even know. Semerzo Gluo in a six rounder at 135 pounds, David. 
Let's, uh... Yeah, yeah, it's a good fight. Uh, I spoke to Michaela. Uh, she was telling me what she knows about uh, the girl uh, Maria's Greece. She she was also also uh, a national champion in Greece, and she had an extensive uh, amateur experience. So they expect this to be a you know a tough match. Wow, first and, fight in uh, the United States for uh, yeah for Maria. She's seven. She has seven wins, three losses, two knockouts. She's 36 years old um, to Mayer's. Mayer's like 27, 28, I think. She's 27. Um, so she's never fought. She's never fought outside of, of Europe. She, she started off her career with five wins, and then she suffered her first loss in France. She went back in France, and she fought the tough Maivra Hamadouche, went eight rounds with her. Um, and lost the unanimous decision. Came back to France, it's got a win. Good. Yeah, she was, so she, so she's a tough fighter. She doesn't get knocked out. She tough goes fighter. the distance. She she goes the distance, David. And now we've reached the end of the uh, of the fight results. The we're about to uh, go offline here. We've reached the hour and a half time of our show, the two minute round. Your hooks and jabs look at the female fight world. Uh, our next show is March 15th. We're going to be talking about all these fights, and we are going to be in the house at the StubHub Center to that, for that Mikael or Mayer fight. David, any last thoughts? Uh, yes. Uh, another note, uh, Amanda Serrano will be fighting in her first MMA fight on, on April the 13th at the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles. Uh, it was announced uh, just yesterday. And it's going to be interesting because, you know, she won five divisions in boxing, and uh, that's not easy. And now she's going to be going into MMA. We'll see what happens. The girl she's fighting is actually from Mexico, and the, the Mexican girl is 2-1, and one, so she's not a lousy fighter. Uh, so if you have time, go check her out at the Shrine Auditorium, April 13th in Los Angeles. There you go. Uh, and we'll talk about it more then, on March 15th on our next show. We'll remind the, the listeners. And then last, um, Melinda Cooper, the world champion, graduated from the Las Vegas Police Academy today. And uh, she's expressed uh, to me that even though she's uh, now a, pol- a police officer for Las Vegas, she wants to be continue her fighting career. In fact, she wants to go full force because now she's... Uh, in, her 30s, and she's anxious to get in the ring. And that's my last announcement. Oh, also, congratulations, Melinda. Well, there you have it, folks. And we'll see you on March 15th here in your two minutes. The Hooks and Jabs look at the female fight world. Have a good night.